This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Who remembers Mary Poppins? Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke. It's innovative. It was funny. It was classic. Precious. Love it. Great story about a family learning to come together. Not that story. But wasn't that the story? Wasn't that? Those were the facts of the story, right? Weren't those parts of the movie? I mean, remember those parts from the movie? But it wasn't the whole story. And that's what happens. You can take parts out and put them together in a different way and it can tell a completely different story. In fact, what you're left with is a nightmare when you don't tell the whole story. There are industries that are really good at this. Sometimes we call it spin. Heard that phrase, spin? can spin something, can give a story a certain angle by presenting certain parts but not other parts. You can frame a story a certain way to present a story in a certain light, to convey a certain message. You can do that with politics. You can do it with COVID. You can do that with uh, trials that you hear on the news. You can do it with Christmas. Did you know that? You can, you can do that with Christmas. You can present part of the story. But if you only present part of the story, what you end up with is a nightmare. Because it's not the whole story. Because it's the whole story that communicates peace. It's the whole story that teaches us about love. It's the whole story that guides us into what is hope. Next week we'll talk about joy. Today we want to talk about hope. We've been learning how to take these themes of the Christmas story and communicate them and share them and live them. But what we need to do is we need to know the whole story, not just a part of it. Maybe you just, well, I just like the baby in the manger part. That's the part I like. Well, but why is there a baby in the manger? Maybe you like to add other parts to the story. This morning, I want us to enter into Hope, But to do that, you need to know the whole story, not just a part. We've been letting the shepherds guide us into the Christmas narrative. Shepherds should do that. Shepherds guide, right? And they will give us an example of how to live in this narrative. Bring certain things to the forefront for us. They helped us see the message of peace. And how peace has come to us. And we need to share that peace because peace has come for all. They showed us last week how the message of Christmas and Advent is a message of love. For the message has come to us in our brokenness, in our fallenness. God coming to us. God with us. Emmanuel. We need the shepherds to help us again this morning so that we can learn about hope. I'm really glad that you're here. If you're a guest, hello. My name's Paul. 
Let's open to the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 2. This is a passage we've come back to the last few weeks, and we'll come back to it again. But in this, we're going to uncover the whole story of the Advent season, not just the little parts. Because remember, if you just pull out the little parts, you're left with Scary Mary, and that's just a nightmare. And I don't want any of you experiencing a Scary Mary. So there is a Mary in the Christmas story. I just offended a lot of people. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. And the Spirit of the living God just open our eyes and our hearts, our minds to what's in this. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. They'll be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, the baby, lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. It's that last verse that I want us to look at together this morning. When they saw it, when they saw the scene, the sign, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What was it? What did they make known? What is it concerning this child? What's the story that comes along with this child? If we do just a little detective work, we go back up into the story that we just read a little bit. We can probably find some of those key parts. Like if you look in verse 10, what did the angel say to them? What did the angel say to the shepherd? He says, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. How many of you have heard that before? That's Christmas, man. That's Linus. That's Charlie Brown Christmas, right? That's what the story's all about. Those are great words. That's good, feel-good words. Good news of great joy for all the people. Literally, it's what we call gospel. Good news. It's gospel. Now, how many of you grew up in church and you heard the word gospel a lot? Yep, heard the word gospel a lot. Probably not like this. Because to gospel means to proclaim the arrival of a king. Good news. Great joy for all the people, okay? Emperor Claudius comes upon the throne, the Roman Empire. Heralds were sent out. The propaganda machine was whirled into place. Go, tell, proclaim. Herald would come into town. Got good news for all the people. 
new emperors come. Whether it was Nero, whether it was Julius, whether it was another emperor, another ruler, heralds would go out and they would good news everybody. They would gospel everyone. They would say, hey, guess what? A new king has arrived. So for the angel to come and tell people, hey, good news, great joy for all the people, it's not just a great line in a Chuck Schultz Christmas special. What he's saying is, a new king has been born. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. So he said in verse 11. The herald wants the shepherds to remember that this child is born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. Makes it very distinct. This child is born in the city of David. It's going to mean something. We're going to see in a little bit what that means. For unto you a child is born. You're going to hear that phrase in a little bit. That means something to them more than it means to us. He uses three terms. Savior. Christ. Lord. To describe this child. Savior. Means deliverer. Rescuer. Like Moses was sent to be deliverer and rescuer in Egypt to God's people. Christ. That's not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus Christ. Not his last name. Christ is the Greek form of the Jewish term Messiah, meaning the anointed one. It was described high priests. It described kings in the Old Testament. Lots of people were called Messiah. If you were to be the high priest, you'd be the anointed one. The Messiah, if you're going to become king, you'd be anointed, you'd be the anointed one. Meaning that God has set this purpose aside into a specific office for a specific purpose. And then the term Lord means king. All those things coming together. What is the shepherds telling to Mary? Well, this herald, this divine herald came to us and said that this child born in the city of David is the heralded king and anointed one sent from God. That's the message concerning this child. He's a high priest, he's king, he's appointed, he's over all, he's for all. This is gospel. This gospel message, though, comes inside of a greater gospel, the gospel according to Luke, right? Your Bible has a, four gospels. Men heralding the message of a coming king. What you'll see Luke doing leading up to this is making it very clear to everybody who and what Jesus is and the message that comes along with Jesus. If you take that word, that, that name David, and you go back through the last chapter, chapter one and chapter two, you see this message that's rising to the surface that Jesus in all of his fullness involves something to do with David. If you go to Luke chapter one, let me just read some of these passages for you. Luke chapter one, verse 27. If you have your Bible, that's really helpful. That's awesome. If you don't have a Bible, they're located in the seat in front of you. Free, you can take it home. Uh, the print is really small. We do that on purpose. You go buy your own. Um, the, you can get an app on your phone. Do Have the Bible. Bring a Bible. You go to Luke chapter 1, verse 27, okay? Listen to these words. 
This is introducing the, the Advent narrative, the Jesus narrative. Who is involved? A virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And then Luke goes out of the way. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Kind of odd. Just kind of throws that in there. In case you didn't know. Joseph is from the house of David. David was the great king of the Old Testament. You keep going on just a few verses later in verse 32 and 33 of Luke 1. He'll be great. Speaking of Jesus, he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. As the story continues, as you keep going, Luke wants to make us understand. He says, okay, uh, he's from the house of David. He's going to get a throne from his father, David. He will reign, father David, meaning great, 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 great father. He's going to reign. He's going to reign forever. If you keep going in that chapter, you get to this passage that we looked at a few weeks ago, where Zechariah, who's John the Baptist's dad, he gives a prophecy over the child, who this child is going to be. And within that, Zechariah says this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is verse 69. That God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. That David thing keeps coming up again. House of David, throne of David, rule of David, house of his servant David. Keep going. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Twice in the sentence, Luke says, hey, we're going to the city of David because Joseph is from the household of David. And then again, you heard the angels when the angels come to the shepherd. Hey, for unto you a child is born in the city of David. Luke is working really hard for us to understand what? What does Luke want us to see? What does Luke want the, the writers to connect? That this story that we decorate our homes with and our yards with seems to be connected back to an ancient story. All the way back to a man named David somehow. Because we're talking about someone from the house of David, of the line of David, the throne of David, the rule of David, in the city of David. For the shepherds, this is right up there with Moses going back to Egypt. It's that level of deliverance. It's that level of hope that we're talking about. It's that scope of a message. That hope is on the way. These are people that are oppressed by the Roman Empire. These are people who are poor. These are people who are forsaken. In a backwoods town with no hope. And what they heard was cueing them in that God was about to fulfill an ancient promise that they all knew very, very well. That they would then go join with the angels and bring and herald to Mary and Joseph and then go herald to others. Hope had come because Advent, Christmas, is about hope. How many of you think the world needs more hope? How many of you think the world needs more help? How many of you would like to help with the hope? The shepherds are going to show us how to do that. Because the shepherds by the angels link two very important things together. Okay, and I want you to write this down in your notes, okay? 
and then I'll, I'll try to explain it. As I live by the promises of Jesus' story, I share hope. As I live by the promises of Jesus' story, as I put those two things together, that enables me to share hope. Because that's what we're learning how to do this Advent season. Christmas isn't about what I get. It's about what has been given to me that I might give to others. I give peace. I give love. I want to give. I want to share hope. It comes by linking two important things together. It's like a epoxy. When you mix epoxy, you know, it comes in those, like, Gorilla Glue comes in those two tubes. And you got to mix them together. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and you mix them together, and then it becomes really, 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 really sticky, really, really tacky, really. Then you can use it. When we learn how to link to these two things together, like the shepherds and the angels did, which are the promises of God within the story of Jesus, hope happens. And we can live according to that hope. Another writer in the book of Hebrews says it this way. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast, cling to, bind ourselves to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Then you saw those two things that come together. Let's hold fast to our confession. Confession, this is what I believe about God. This is what I believe about Jesus. Actually, after our Advent season, our next series, January, February, March, is all about our confession, the things that we believe. Hold fast to those things and the promises that they contain. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. See, we're at a loss. We're at a loss as modern people. They heard things that we don't hear. They saw things. They perceived things. They understood things that we don't get because we're not in it. What the angel said to them resonated at a deep level, deep within their ethnicity, in their Jewishness, their DNA, the, the stories that they told each other and that they lived in. We have to go looking for. To them, it came very naturally. And the angel says to them, for to us, a, a, a child has been born. That took them someplace in the back of their mind to passages and promises that had been shared around the fire for generations and generations and generations. When the angel says city of David, that means something to them, that resonates with them, that we just, we don't get. But you know what that's like. You'll hear something or see something or taste something, smell something, and it takes you back to a certain place, right? You smell something and it takes you back. When I smell Chex Mix, yeah, you like Chex Mix? I like Chex Mix. When I smell Chex Mix and, and we make Chex Mix and all those just comes together and it immediately takes me back to winters at home with my dad and my mom because that's when you eat Chex Mix. When you eat Chex Mix in the winter, that's when Chex Mix should be eaten. Something wrong with you. If you're not eating it at winter time, I smell that and I'm there. Taste something. You taste something and it immediately takes you someplace. Yesterday we were doing Christmas stuff around the house and uh, just had hot dogs and baked beans for lunch. Simple, right? But there's something about hot dogs and baked beans that takes me someplace. I have a very specific memory of my dad making hot dogs and baked beans and watching my dad cut up big onions to put in the baked beans because you have to have onions in the baked beans and then loading it full of brown sugar. 
Okay? So it really doesn't taste like baked beans and hot dogs. It's just candied onions, which is great. Who doesn't like candied onions? This is awesome. This is so good. And my wife made it, and we're sitting there just eating like, this is so, it, it took me someplace. You hear something. Maybe it's, it's silent night, and you have memories uh, around the tree as a family or a candlelit service at some point. Last Sunday, we were um, at Jackson's Orchestra concert. And I was sitting in the high school auditorium, and there was the big stage. And they were doing their walkthroughs and their warm-ups and their rehearsals. And I was just going through, and I was just, oh, they have that kind of light, and they have that kind of curtain. There's a teaser, and those are the tormentors, and this. Look at over, that's all that. And I'm like, it took me back to high school. It took me back to theater. It took me back to a time in my life. When the angels said what the angels said to the shepherds, it took them to a place. It took them back to an ancient story, an old story, full of promise. And it's these four elements that I want you to write down that are part of that promise. We're going to write them down in a specific order. Okay? The first one is Prince. Not the artist formerly known as. Peace. people, and place. Prince, peace, people, and place. You find those aspects of God's promise all throughout the Old Testament, but you see them highlighted climax brought forward the most and believe it or not a key story in David's life David the great king David the shepherd David who stood up to Goliath David who established and brought peace David who worshiped and danced before the Lord that David so if you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7 because remember, somehow this story is connected back to David. And if I'm going to understand hope, I need to understand how Jesus fits into that greater story. What God is doing. 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 8 through 16. And this is my challenge to you. As I go through the narrative, see if you can key on those four aspects of promise. As I go through this passage, can you circle up? If you say, oh, look, there's, there's Prince, there's a peace. Oh, there he's talking about people. Oh, there he's talking about place. As I go through this, see if you can't dial in on those. But let me get us started. 2 Samuel 7, 8. Remember, no scary Mary. We want the whole story. 2 Samuel 7, verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you, the prophet, shall say to my servant David, this is God speaking, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people, Israel. I stop right there. What he's going to do next is he's going to say something to David that connects back to the idea of David being a shepherd. Okay? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd provides oversight. He creates a space of peace for his sheep. And he's gonna, God's going to talk shepherd language to David so that David understands what God is promising to him. Okay, Verse 9. 
I have been with you wherever you went and cut off all your enemies from before you. Peace. I will make for you a great name. Like the name of the great ones of the earth. That's prince language. I will appoint a place for my people and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. You see those elements? Violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up for you offspring after you. You shall come, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. To say kingdom means that there's a prince who gives peace to people in a place. That's what a kingdom is. Take any of those aspects away, you have no kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. He will be to me a son When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house, your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Did you see those key elements coming up in that passage? Were you able to identify some of them? He's talking about a ruler, a prince. He's talking about establishing peace. He's talking about a people. He's talking about a place. David, after you're dead and buried, I will bring this about. In fact, if you really want to geek out, okay, you want to do a real geeky thing, there's seven, you probably don't, I do, and you'll have to deal with it. Okay, so there's seven key I wills in that passage. Where God says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Seven, God, big number, meaning completion, perfect. God is saying, this is the whole package. This is what it's all about. In fact, the middle, I will section, where it says, moreover, the Lord will do this. God says, I will build a house for you. A place of peace and people. Your son, your child will rule over it. Sad part, pretty quickly, David and all of his sons really screw things up. It's kind of what we as humans do, isn't it? God makes a promise and we mess it up. David has a son, Solomon. Solomon known for lots of great things, also known for tanking the kingdom. For being as wise as he was, boy, did he make mistakes. So much so that the kingdom ends up splitting because of him. North and south. Bad king after bad king after bad king after bad king leads people out of God's peace. The people end up being scattered and the place becomes overrun. It looks like the promise is all gone. But God said that he was going to do this. So every now and then, God kind of has to spin that plate fresh. A prophet will have to come in. Hey, don't forget, God promised to David. A prince who will bring us peace. The people will be together. We'll have a place that is our own. That's the promise. That's the story. 
Let me just highlight some of them, and I bet some of these words will sound familiar to you. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 9, uh, verses 6 through 7. You can just write it down and look. But listen, it's how it starts. You've already heard it this morning. For to us, a child is born. What was the opening line of the angel to the shepherd? For to you, a child is born. And what of that child? To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Maybe you could hear the echoes of those promises in the words of the prophet. A couple chapters later in the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Again, the prophet's going to respin it a little bit just to help us remember. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's dad. So again, we're back to the line of David, right? A branch from his root shall bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor. Decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. Faithfulness, the belt of his loins. The prophet saying, hey, I know things are getting really bad. In fact, at this point, much of what is Israel has been cast out of the land and is under oppression. Peace has been broken. The people have been scattered and the place has been lost. There is no king. But the prophet says, hey, 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 don't forget. God made a promise. Hold on to that hope. Cling to that hope. The promises of God. Another prophet named Micah comes on the scene. In Micah chapter five, he had this to say. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Ephrathah is a way of describing the region that's around Bethlehem. It's like thing, county. Troy, Miami County. Pickwick, Miami County. But you, Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you're a place of no consequence. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Did you see those four elements coming out? The promise of God a king who will make things right, will rule right, gather a people. There will be a place. 
As the story continues, we begin to see those promises flesh out more and more and more. It's not just a peace. It's an eternal peace. It's a peace that will last forever. The people, as the Jewish Bible continues, as the New Testament picks up and runs with it, and this was hard for the Jews to get, the people is describing who? All people from all nations and all tongues. Not just a Jewish people, also a Gentile people. The place isn't a narrow strip of land in the Middle East. That this is a ruler who is promising to rule over all the earth. Over all. But who's the prince? Who's the, who's, who's the one who's going to do this? Who's going to make it right? Who, who are we waiting for? Who's going to bring all these pieces together? It was silent for centuries until an angelic herald broke through the night and said to a few shepherds these words, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what their minds were filled with and their hearts were screaming with. This promise now had come full front in the midst of oppression, in the midst of atrocity and poverty and darkness and difficulty, the promise of God's ruler who will make things right. This is why it's about hope. Because in the same way they were hoping for him to come, we are hoping for him to return. And we walk into the perfect peace, God's people, in God's place. This is the message that's been shared with you. This is what you've been invited into. A restoration project, a reclamation, rescue. A whole lot more than just a cute little nativity set that sits on your mantle. but a hearkening reminder that God is pushing back the dark through Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And he's invited me, as he's invited you, to be a part of it. To say, I'm not following that anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live according to Jesus. I'm going to participate in peace that he brings. I'm going to gather with his people and invite others to join. We're going to take this place back. And say, death, sin, your time is over. 
we're going to do it different. How do we do that? In the bottom of your notes, I just, there's a, just a rectangle. Because I don't know that I have any one answer or suggestion for you. I just want to, maybe we just brainstorm a little bit together. And maybe there's something that grabs a hold of you. How can you um, live out this hope? Make known, like the shepherds did. The shepherds made known the story. As they took the promises of God and linked them into the story of Jesus. Maybe I'll say something that's helpful. You can just run with it. Just run with it. Uh, tell someone about the promises. Just tell someone. You, you, maybe you have a nativity set in your house, or maybe you bump in, you're at a Christmas party. You say, hey, do you know why he's there? Ask him. Do, do, you, know, do you know why? And you can tell him the promise. God promised a prince who'll bring peace. And I'm a part of the people. Are you a part of the people? Are you part of the Jesus people? Share it with them. Make known. Because the people that you bump into are living the nightmare. They're only living a part of the story, just a little bit. They just know the nightmare part. Where they get through the 23 minutes of December 25th in the morning, like, whew, glad that's over. Do we have to go to your mother's? No, 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 not for us. We know the whole story. We know the whole story. So look for ways to bring others to hope. Real hope, not John Lennon hope. Real hope. You know the John Lennon Christmas song? So this is Christmas, right? And what have you done? Another year over. A new one just begun. Well, how's the chorus? You know how the chorus. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope it's a good one. What a downer. Seriously, that's all you got. I hope this is a good one. I hope this is a good one. Like, man, last year bombed. Let's hope we don't have to go through that again. Well, that's, if you're living a nightmare, that's the hope that you have to offer. And that's the hope that you have to look forward to. But if you know the whole story, you know next year will be better. Because we're one step closer to the king returning. Share that hope. Look for ways to share hope with the whole earth. Remember, it's a big story. So we're looking for ways to engage globally. Uh, next week, we'll do our Christmas offering. And our Christmas offering is going to go to students in Rwanda. Because God is doing a global thing. It's a big thing. It's not just a Rushi, Houston, a Piqua, Troy thing. It's a, it's a big thing that we're participating in. And so we're engaging in global projects. How can you engage globally to bring about peace? I encourage you, participate in the offering next week. The whole thing is giving away. We don't keep, oh, we'll pay our bills and we'll do this and this and then we'll give some money. We know they'll give, we'll give the whole thing away. Whole thing. Right now we have some people from this church family that are down in Tennessee giving Christmas backpacks to kids. Bringing them hope. Hey, Jesus loves you. You saw about the tornadoes that went through Kentucky and other parts of the United States. People who are living a nightmare. Are there ways that you can engage with hope? Again, we're just sharing ideas. Parents, what can you do? You got kids. Don't let them grow up believing the nightmare. 
How can you share the whole story? How can you bring them into the promise? Maybe you're reading an Advent journal with the kids or you're going through passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament that bring them to that place. How are you slowing them down so they hear the whole story and learn the whole story? Because you want them going forward with the light of hope. making known, whether it's the music that you're playing or how you're decorating or how you're dressing or how you're spending money. Learn to live by the promises of God that come in the story of Jesus. As we do this, what happens? As we participate, as we enter into, we take his light in the same way we share peace and we share love, we learn to what? Share hope. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.